podcast, we are building a community based on generous leadership and authentic connections. Our next guest is a gentleman who grew up in a motel in Los Angeles till he was 14. He earned a full ride scholarship to Culver Military Academy and then a full ride scholarship to Boston College. From 1992 to 2000, he was a nightclub DJ and promoter headlining in LA, Chicago, and Boston and started and sold two tech companies. He went on to build a procurement outsourcing business in L.A. and scale that to India, where he met his beautiful wife, Natasha. He went on to co-found a wealth management firm, which manages over $100 million, and now he is founder of a company called Flow that creates a premium content, creates premium content for leaders of professional service firms. He also is the chairman of Minds Matter and Kara Governor's Fellow. He speaks four languages, is a master diver, and deeply spiritual. Welcome to the show, Andy Seth. Beautifully said. God, I couldn't have written that better myself. <laughs> I tried, you know. <laughs> He's also a very close friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, also true. We met through the uh, entrepreneurial community here in Colorado and EO, Entrepreneurial Organization. That's right. So thank you for the, uh, the time today. You're very welcome. We very much look forward <laughs> to learning more about you. So if you want to Maybe just roll in by giving us a quick summary on, uh, I guess, a little bit deeper dive into, you know, what you're currently working on. We just kind of walk through your background. Give us any highlights on any of that you want to touch on and kind of what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. Um, so there's, there's a few different projects always going on at the same time. Uh, for my day job, um, I'm the CEO and founder of a company called Flow. Flow, like you said, does uh, content marketing for leaders of service firms. And I started that actually because I wanted to solve a particular social problem. And then I needed to create revenue in order to solve this problem. And the social problem that I was working on, uh, what I have been working on for many years is how do I provide low-income kids with an opportunity to go to college and then succeed through college. And that's where Minds Matter comes in. That's the, the nonprofit I'm now the chairman of, have been for the last five years, was the executive director there for four years prior to that, and the development director for two years, all as a volunteer. So I never got paid for any of this. But um, it was kind of the calling. And so I, I followed that calling and, and have uh, been able to, to be a good vehicle for having that program expand. Over the 14 years, we've had 100% of those low-income kids 100% of our graduates go to college on scholarships. Mm. But what I wasn't doing anything for were the kids that weren't going to college. And so I looked at that and I thought, well, if I look at this like a portfolio approach of, of philanthropy, there wasn't anything that I was doing for those kids, but there's more of them. There's even more low-income kids not going to college. So then what? What are the options out there? And through my wealth management business, uh, I became very familiar with Swiss banking. I mean, it's a pretty well-regarded uh, banking system. And when I looked into Swiss banking, I found that they created apprenticeships. And there's a whole structure around these apprenticeships. Mm -hmm. And around the same time, we had sent a delegation out from Colorado to Switzerland to explore the Swiss model of apprenticeships. Um, I had built one apprenticeship inside of my wealth management firm that turned out to be pretty successful. And that young man is now a full-on advisor. Um, wow. But that one, the one thing that I, that I didn't do there was it wasn't for a low-income kid with no college degree. But it was a, an apprenticeship in the sense that there was no revenue tied to him, which is pretty typical in the wealth management world. You've got to go bring in assets. This was, well, can we create a curriculum that does what the Swiss do? Um, but it had nothing to do with what their demographic was. It was just, can you create this curriculum? Once I proved out, yeah, I can do this, I said, when I started Flow and I sold uh, the majority interest in, in Lotus Group, I still retained some, 
I thought, well, can we create an apprenticeship in a, in a space in Colorado where there's a huge demand for work, but we're not filling it? Mm-hmm. And can that work be done by youth who don't necessarily need the pedigree of a degree? See, in wealth management, you need kind of the pedigree. Yeah, you need that, uh, the letters after your resume, after right. your name and, and resume. And where yeah. you went to school and, and all what degree yeah. you had and all those, those things will, and they do matter to the marketplace. Right. But in certain areas, it doesn't matter. And one in particular is marketing, hmm. uh, specifically digital marketing. And there's a huge demand for digital marketing, especially in Colorado. If you look at the Colorado Pipeline Report, it's published by the Office of Economic Development and the Workforce uh, Development. They basically map out every year what are the top in-demand jobs and what is the gap in filling them and what does it take to actually fill them? What are the degrees or what are the certifications or what are the skills, et cetera? And yeah. so when I looked at it, number one was coders. But you look a couple down and there you have digital marketing. And I was like, well, I've hired digital marketers. It's not like you need a degree. I've never once asked for somebody's degree. All I knew was like, can you do this shit or right. not? Right. <laughs> yeah. Are you good or not? Yeah. And so I created or decided to create digital marketing apprenticeships. But I still needed a way to fund it. So I tried. I thought first I, maybe it would be a school. I tested that. That wasn't the right idea. Um, and what I landed on was we'll create a, a content marketing agency that the work we would typically outsource, you know, the, the, the low-cost, low-value type of work, let's have that be what apprentices do and combine that with classroom theory. The social, so what you're referring to is the social media, the correct email campaigns, totally. some of the graphic design. Totally. Okay. Yep. That's stuff wow. that kind of, you know, all day long, Fiverr, Upwork, I mean, you can outsource it to a VA. There's a, a world of people to do it. Well, right. what if we didn't outsource some of that? And what if we took a little bit less profit? Uh, not much, by the way, but a little less profit up front. If you trained up these youth, it turns out they can actually do even more than what you just asked them to do. Mm. Because unlike an outsource provider, they're now in-house. And so your productivity goes up, you make more profit, and they gain skills to be able to have a career path. And my apprentices will make 40 to 45K after two years and wow. break poverty and have a career path. But we had to have revenue to fund all this. Right. So we started an agency. And that's what the agency does. When people hire us, they hire us to go and bring them leads, basically, through content. Like, right. that's the whole point. Right. What's a nice thing is they say, ah, oh, that's pretty cool that you also have this, like, social mission. We're a B Corp, if, for folks that understand what that is. And, and uh, we do this through helping these kids, but we have very high-level, you know, people with mastery levels of, of experience on our staff. It's just that we have some of those, some, a couple of apprentices, we have right now three apprentices who are doing this work. So Flow, in a, in a long story short, is it is a content marketing firm. Mm-hmm. And we also do live chat as a separate division. But it was started because I wanted to provide a career path that didn't require college for low-income youth. And right. we've been able to successfully provide that training for them while generating a profit. Wow. Yeah. And um, I... S- uh, I hear a little bit of correlation to your past, your you know your childhood, your upbringing, because uh, you kind of grew up through that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, did you have any opportunity like that when you were coming up? Anything that not you, particularly. To what, you're doing now? I, uh, what I what I feel today is that because I came from a similar background, right? Growing up low income and growing up in in 
an at-risk neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, my family was was tight, so I had the blessings of that. Um, but I didn't have you know the environment per se. So I know the challenges that most of these kids will face, and because of that, I think the inspiration has hit me, and, and life kind of gave me this path, which was can you do something for the kids that were like you? you I didn't necessarily get that kind of help, but I did get other help. Yeah. Things have unfolded for me in different ways. I did get a full scholarship to a, one of the most prestigious high schools in the nation. Some of our alumni are like George Steinbrenner, Ross Perot. I mean, we've got like hitters yeah. that are alumni. So by going to that school and graduating at the top of, of the class, like I became uh, part of that network. Mm, right? wow. So I got opportunities for education that way. And then at Boston College, it was one of the few schools at the time that had merit-based scholarships. And uh, my scholarship was funded through um, the Wall Street Council. And so that was where I got my exposure to the big dinners, the galas. I got put up on the stage, check out what this kid's doing. Isn't this why we're here? And I was like, hmm. I understand the game a little bit from a, from the other side now, yeah. right? So I've just been on, on that side. So I wasn't necessarily the beneficiary of a nonprofit organization, yeah. but I was the beneficiary of generous donors who believed in the concept of me. They believed in the concept of if we, if we give a low-income kid a shot who's hardworking, motivated, maybe, just maybe, they will do something. Mm-hmm. And... I know from my own path, it's, it's been successful. It's true, and, yeah. and, and <laughs> right, I don't know if it's for everybody, right. But the shot should be for everybody. Yep. For everybody that's willing to work. And I think that's a universal language we can all agree on. Right. So I have to ask, you mentioned um, being put up on the stage when you were one of these youth that was benefiting from mm-hmm. things like this. And what, you're, what I know you're up to now, uh, and I want to hear more about Minds Matter and the events, the annual events mm. that you have mm-hmm. through that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not only that, you... MC events and you, you know, you're just out, you're out there basically being an entertainer yeah. uh, as well. Um, was there any, was that kind of the first experience that you had when you got pulled up on stage and you were like, oh, this is kind of cool? Um, yeah, well, I, as a DJ, I, I, I mean, I DJed for nine years, so stage experience and reading crowds came from that experience. Yeah. What I understood by being part of the galas, I wasn't DJing galas, right? That was me as a, as a yeah, student yeah. speaker yeah. or attendee. Yep. Yeah. Um, was there was a different game being played. Mm. See, there's a game being played of go make money. But there was this room full of people who had made the money, and yet they still had something left in them. It wasn't about money. In fact, money just was the vehicle to do what they really wanted to do, which was to help other people. So getting into a room like that, I started to understand there's more to this game you know, there's a, there's a term in, in Hindi, which we, which we call Leela, L-I-L-A. Uh, it can be often be called God's Leela, and it's God's game. And we play the most brilliant game there is, the yeah. game of business. Yeah. But we also attach too much importance to the achievements of business and not what actually gives us some fulfillment. Here's a room full of people that got to earn their way to that place because of money. But that's not what they stopped at. They were there to provide themselves with fulfillment. How? By spending the money on something that mattered. Right? It's, it's, people say you can't buy happiness. Bullshit. Yes, you can. <laughs> you buy it by giving it to others. Right. Yeah. You buy it through sponsorships. You buy it through donations. You buy it through uh, sponsoring some of your employees who are volunteering. You, you, you absolutely can buy happiness. Mm-hmm. You're just not spending it on the right places if you're not getting that. Yeah. You might be getting pleasure. 
but you're not getting happiness. And that's what I saw in the room was this game isn't about material achievement. This game goes much deeper. That's really where a lot of the, my spirituality started to, to spark mm. was there was already an answer in front of me, which is this has nothing to do with money because yeah. they've already got it and they're still here. Yeah, and I think we've all seen studies of how to live the most fulfilling life it's about human connection, and it's about giving back. It's about generosity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. So really, a lot of people like to say, well, so this is really about you, and it's selfish in terms of you giving and helping other people. 100%. Bring it on, yeah. Absolutely. Don't trap any of us in this Puritan bullshit about, well, if you give because it's going to help you, then that's not really altruistic. And yeah. what's the point? I'm at least doing it. Right. Yeah. For those that say it, that's an excuse to not do anything. To not do it. Right. Yeah. Well, guess what? Like, you're not going to have any of the things that fulfill because you're not even playing the game. Mm-hmm. You're not even on the field yeah. and you're talking shit about the field. Right. Like, that's what we're debating. Right? Remember, it was like uh, Alan Iverson was like, practice? We're we talking about practice? Like, that's what we're talking about is whether or not I get something out of it. Absolutely, I get something out of it. That is the path. That yeah. is absolutely yeah. the journey one should be on is to do things that bring fulfillment. So, yes, I get something out of it. Does it help other people? Duh. Yeah. That's the intent. Yeah. Exactly. So talk, talk more about um, Minds Matter, if you don't mind, yeah. and the events that you that I've attended several of them <laughs> yeah. that you are very well known in the community. Yeah. Um, so Minds Matter, like I said, is a, is a college prep mentoring organization. And over the last 14 years, we've had 100% of our kids go to college on rides. And we're now the first chapter. There's 14 chapters nationwide. We're the first chapter to expand to multiple sites. We actually, in Denver, have three different sites. Next year, we'll be going to Colorado Springs. Year after that, to Fort Collins. Year after that, probably to Aurora. Year after that, back, maybe Grand Junction. But we have a 10-year plan. We're in year uh, two of the 10 um, okay. to expand statewide. And when I took on the development director role back then, um, I noticed that the majority of our revenue came from individual donations, mm-hmm. and so that was a small group of people, and it came from grants, foundations. And I started in here in 08, so right when the decline was happening. So if your majority of your revenue stream comes from uh, foundations and individual donations, your revenue is obviously going to decline. Exactly. Yeah. As the person responsible then for the budget, for raising the money, um, I looked at it and said, well, we need to diversify the revenue streams. So yeah. this was just a very simple, like, Exercise in business. Yeah, business plan. Yeah. Right? And I looked at it and said, okay, well, what's a, what's a revenue stream? We had some small events, but the question was, well, can we take those events and blow them up? And mm-hmm. the first one that, we, that I looked at was our annual gala called Casino Night. Casino Night used to generate, um, on, a, on a good year, was probably about a 40 to 50K raise. Wow. Last year we raised, uh, uh, this is gross, by the way, 40 to 50 gross. Um, last year we did 215. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Um, so a, a large a large jump. Um, and that net is north of 150. So it's, it's a fairly low-cost event in, yep. that, in that perspective. But it's a production. And what I, what I know is, as a DJ, is that um, people are much more enthusiastic about being entertained than they are about being educated. Mm-hmm. And if you go to a typical gala, they're all about telling you what they're doing. Here's what we're doing. Here's why we're so good. Here's how we're helping people. Yes, that's all true. But for the love of God, make it fun. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Like, make this fun. Like, I'm, I'm out. I'm, it's a night out. I'm getting yeah. dressed up. I'm paying money. Like, you're inviting your friends. Yeah, let's, yeah, you're let's have a good time. Yeah. And so the DJ and me could not stand these galas because mm-hmm. I would sit there like, 
I am not entertained, right? Like yeah. I just could hear, are you not entertained? Right. I was like, no, I'm not. I'm literally <laughs> not entertained. And I've been to five of these other events this right. year. And, and, I'm, and, and so you will get my standard check. Yeah. One of the areas I saw for opportunity for growth was to kill a silent auction. It just took too much effort to put together shit. Mm-hmm. It's just a bunch of, it's, and it, and it, transactionally starts to trigger people like they're looking for deals. That's not what you want in an auction. Right. You, you want non-deals. You yeah. want irrational spending. Mm-hmm. Well, my background is a behavioral economist. That's what I studied in college. That's what I've applied as a wealth manager. Like I still use behavioral uh, psychology in, in doing content marketing, right? Like right. this is what I'm good at. So when I looked at auctions, I said, well, how do you drive irrational spending? You drive irrational spending by creating a heightened level of emotions. How do you create the heightened level of emotions? Entertainment. Entertainment provides the ability to create that. So it wasn't just for having fun. I love to have fun, but it was also strategic. So I turned our auction uh, into a production and got rid of who our auctioneer was. Not, and that's not probably a fair statement. Uh, he was good. Mm-hmm. But he was a cattle call auctioneer, one that you find throughout probably the state. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I said, I'll do it. Um, and I had some confidence of being on a stage and holding a mic, but uh, I thought, okay, I can do this. I brought in my DJ, who I've been mentoring for a number of years here, for about eight years now. Yep. Um, we created a, a show where we had different MIDI sound effects, um, cryo cannons that explode. Uh, a buddy of mine does Gaga and Bruno Mars's lighting, so I brought him in to conduct our light show. Wow. So I brought in my network, my crew, and said, like, how do we turn this the actual auction? into a performance. An event, yeah. A yeah, performance. so it's not that you have to suffer through the auction to get to the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Mm, and yeah, wow. there'll be even more entertainment later, but yeah. this is the peak because if I peak you out here, you're going to give more than you came in thinking. And that is absolutely the feedback I get every time. Like, dude, wow. I totally wasn't planning on spending that much, but damn, you got me. That's the point. <laughs> that's the point. And so right. it's a, an otherwise useless skill that I have, but I get to use it for some good. And that's just felt like, again, that was life kind of handed me that one. That came completely by accident. But once I started to be able to have the opportunity to auctioneer, I thought, okay, as long as it's a cause I believe in, I will, I will do this for them. And so it's not the traditional... Um I'm not going to impersonate it. No, I, I, I couldn't either. <laughs> blah, 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 that thing? <laughs> yeah, that thing. No clue. No clue. I have friends that do that. I nah, don't know how they do I'm that, just a knucklehead on a mic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but <laughs> zero cattle will come if I call them. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. So that's it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate that. And then um, uh, what other events throughout the year? I know uh, Frisky Whiskey. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And you have a, that's a the one, right? Yeah. Um, so I have this event called Frisky Whiskey. Uh, this By the year, way, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The first one, just so the listeners yeah. know, is, is called Casino Night. Casino Night. That one is April 5th of 2019 this year, so yeah. April 5th. Um, and there's only three places in all of Denver that can hold us now. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's at the, uh, I think it's at the Marriott Convention Center or something like that, but there's okay. only three places, wow. um, which is kind of cool. That um, is very cool. Frisky Whiskey is another event. This year in 2019, it'll be September, uh, I think, 14th or 15th, whatever that Saturday is, um, we can put the right date, but that Saturday, September 14th or 15th of 19, uh, is Frisky Whiskey 10. And this event I started years and years ago just to get like some buddies together, Mm -hmm. have some whiskey, um, and tell them about what Minds Matter is so that I could just kind of spread the word. And back 10 years ago, whiskey wasn't that big, especially we have the great beer festival, great American beer festival here. Right. Beer's big, craft beer. Wine is always big. Uh, the big liquor at the time was vodka. But 
I had some experience around whiskey um, with the Camless Restaurant in Seattle. They, uh, the Camless Restaurant is three generations old. One of my best friends from high school mm-hmm. is one of the Camlesses, and uh, they have a brother in Scotland who's a priest, and they used to hand walk back these scotch bottles that were amazing, and people would buy in for grands and grands and grands to just taste an ounce. And I got to be wow. a part of that. And I was like, how do I take that and bring it to Denver? Yeah. And um, so I brought one of the guys over. He's a Scotsman. And he kind of hosted the first Frisky Whiskey. And he did a tour of Scotland, all the different five regions. And here's the different scotches and how, why they taste different. Yeah. And my friends loved it. And that's what, how it was born. So it was just a few friends. And last year, we took out the Dairy Block downtown, which you were at. Um, yeah. was amazing. That was like kind of blew my mind. Like This year, I capped it at 150 there's more demand, but the whole point is always by invite. And yes. um, I, I don't know. It's just like there's more people that want to come than I actually know. So I, I kind of need to figure this out. I, I, this is one of those I'm resisting, but life is throwing it my way. Mm-hmm. So I just need to go with the flow here and at some point just open the doors. Um, but we were able to take out the dairy block last year. And wow. Frisky yeah. is reinvented every year. I never have the same anything uh, other than there's going to be whiskey, but it's, it's completely about an experience and entertainment and like whiskey's underlying it. Um, but it's definitely not a, like a pairing and uh, tasting like it's not nothing traditional. Um, I only invite like one company in to bring a brand uh, because then it gets they get associated with the experience. Like to me, it's about the entertainment. And this is not a fundraiser, by the way. It's just you buy the ticket, you pay for whatever experience you want that night, but I never ask for money. Mm-hmm. As you know, I don't, yeah. I straight up you don't know. ask for money. There is no way to donate money there. You can go to a website later if you want, but there's no way to donate money. The reason is from a marketing perspective, there's top, middle, bottom of the funnel. Marketers know that you have to create awareness before you ask for money, but every nonprofit just goes for the jugular and is like, give us money. Right. I looked at it and said, I'll throw this own event off my own budget. I front, I front the money. I'll donate hundred percent of the proceeds, which I do every year. But here, this is just for awareness. This is just what we're doing on this podcast at scale, right? At, or at least at scale from an in-person standpoint. Yep. This podcast will have scale, but in an in-person, I can tell 150 people at a time about Minds Matter and the things that I'm up to. Um, and sometimes I'll even put a little bit of a political plug of here's the things that are on the ballot that I think we should really think about and I think we should vote for because there's ways to make impact also from policy. Right, yeah, yeah. So okay. That's frisky. So understanding the background of how Frisky Whiskey got started, I now understand how you were able to get the master distiller <laughs> from Glen Morangi from Scotland to two come years to ago. the event two years ago. That's right. That was, it blew me. Uh, to be honest with you, I didn't even know he was coming. They, the, so to, to your point, the, the master distiller from Glen Morangi came, flew out from Scotland just to see the experience we had put on and then like hosted the tasting part of it. I was right. like, was blown away which was an epic experience. i had no idea yeah. i had no idea but that was very that's cool. the beauty of life man yeah it's the beauty sometimes things just conspire for you and in this case they just did you got to be open to receiving it yeah yeah i'm learning that lesson the last couple of years <laughs> <laughs> me too always relearning that one <laughs> right <laughs> so no appreciate you sharing that any anything else with regard to the i mean you're constantly up to charitable uh endeavors anything else that you want to kind of mention um any any events tied to Minds Matter that, that I'm not mentioning? Um, no, I mean, there's so many events, um, but I think... I know you have small um, invite-only gatherings throughout the year. and Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know, yeah. I know that we have a lot to cover today. So yeah, no, I think sure. the, the, there's one project that I think your listeners could find um, useful and um, 
and I hope it would be useful. I wrote a book to answer a lot of the questions that people ask around how do I do well and do good? Mm-hmm. You know, this is kind of the life's question for me is how do I do them both? They, they shouldn't be, well, if I'm either going to go chase the, the money or I'm going to do good in life. Like, how can't we do both? And I think generally people's understanding and acceptance is, yes, one can, but, but then what? What are the tactics? And so I wrote a playbook. Uh, the book is called Juice. Uh, juice is a street term for like street cred, respect, credibility. Mm-hmm. And um, the book is about a, a playbook for entrepreneurs to answer the question of how do I do well and do good. And I, and I specifically aimed it at entrepreneurs because there's a unique skill set, which is that you've looked into the world, identified a problem, and found a way to create so much value in solving it that people will pay you for it. Well, similarly, we have social problems that need solving. And so entrepreneurs are well-suited to identify what that problem is, find a solution that creates so much value, but the value this time isn't for you. The value, at least monetarily, the value is actually to whoever needs the service. Right. Right? The value to you is the internal fulfillment. But what does that mean you can do? And so I broke this book down into all of the different, uh, different tactics and that one can do, and I brought in a ton of great, just amazing leaders to share even snippets of their stories throughout the book, so that it, you know here's other people's examples. This isn't just like what I've done. This is actually this your opinion. This no, is this is real. this is what people have yeah. done who are ballers. People that you would look at and be like, oh shit, I want to get down like that. Yeah. How did they get there? That's wow. one of the most que- often questions. Like, how did you get there? Yeah. Well, the answer is a little bit of like, well, I worked hard. I'm honest. I tried my best, but like. The universe also provided me some good stuff. Yep. But what was the work hard piece? Mm-hmm. What did you do there? And so this is what I unpacked and I put it into a book. Um, it'll be released this year at some point. So whenever it is, it'd be great to be able to share that with folks. I think that if you are an entrepreneur, and even if you're not, I think the lessons in here will teach you very specifically, if I want to make an impact, what does that mean I do? Yeah. And how does that then actually impact other people? This is the answer to that question. Wow. So it's coming out sometime this year. Yeah. I know you're working through the final stages of editing. And yeah. Editing. Yeah. I mean, editors are, <laughs> I have one of my best friends from college editing the book and she's wonderful, delightful. And you know, you still, you still got to suffer through some of the, like, this doesn't make sense, Andy. Like you need to rewrite this one. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing a little bit of that, but okay. um, yeah. we should be finished here within a couple of weeks. And, uh, it's about three months before we go through publishing with the with our publisher has a kind of a process. Very so cool. we should be close to around the uh, start of summer. Okay. Yeah. And then it, do you know yet where somebody wants to put that in their, in their wish list right now? Oh, it'll be in Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Perfect. Sure. That's the easiest place. Look forward to reading that. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. Cool. So, um, I guess, uh, stepping more into, I want you to, you know, uh, have a, you know, great impact on, you know, you know, describing, or I want, I want there to be an increase, I guess, is what I'm saying, for, you know, exposure for your charitable, uh, you know, uh, endeavors and your business endeavors and the book and everything. Talk to us more about uh, flow and how, what kind of companies are, uh, or people are customers so we can, you know, help yeah, drive, yeah. drive some new business your way. Yeah, it's service providers. So anybody in the service business um, whose expertise uh, or name or face is kind of the brand. Um, and that could sometimes be a singular leader, a founder. It can also be a leadership team. Okay. But where thought, expertise, thought, leadership is the driver in the differentiator for the firm, then you need some way of becoming known for that. Mm. And so we have an entire strategy that we do for folks to completely elevate them above and beyond their competitors. In turn, that drives a tremendous amount of awareness 
But awareness is only good if you convert that in business to revenue, right? That's it's a very pragmatic approach. If we right. can create enough content that gets you new opportunities, increase the demand, increase the number and the size of those opportunities, you will make more revenue than it costs to do it. This is a very simple business case. I, I don't, I don't love all the marketing that's like you know we'll get you awareness for what. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. For what? It needs to have a tangible benefit, not like awareness in and of itself is not a benefit. Awareness is a step towards some goal. And to me, this content marketing does that. It generates the kind of leads that service providers dream of. Service providers usually are completely dependent on personal networks. Well, as you and I both know, there's you can do all the coffees and events and and dinners in the world, but like, man, you still tap, you still yeah. tap out. Yep. How do you get to the people that you don't know, but they know you mm-hmm. to me? That's kind of the, 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 the answer is it used to be, it's not what you know, but who, you know, now it's to me, not who, you know, but who knows who you, knows you. Yeah. <laughs> who knows you. Yeah. This podcast may expose people to what we're doing and they've never heard of me before. Mm-hmm. That's that, This is the point. Yeah. This is thought leadership. So yeah. how do you do this at a massive amount of scale? Uh, and I've put a team together that does that. That's yeah. great. And uh, you and I were talking about this a few weeks ago over cocktails. Is if your business, what struck me, what you, one of the things, mm-hmm. things you said is if your business is reliant upon personal relationships, is it better to promote whatever company whatever your company name is, or is it actually better to promote yourself Yeah. Uh, in your name, which is typically uh, the name that somebody wants to work with, right? Yeah. There's, the, the answer is you want to get to a point where you have to promote both. Mm-hmm. But I believe, just based on my data, so it, it's not really a belief, it's just more like the data shows me that for every dollar you put in marketing towards a personal name mm-hmm. versus your company name, there's a point at which the personal name will go a lot farther. You'll gain more reach, more awareness, more engagement, therefore more leads by marketing yourself. And then you use the cash flow from that to allocate more budget to the corporate marketing. And then you start pushing the corporate name because at some point you do need to transition some of that equity over to your company. But in the meantime, you might as well have been making money to do that. The mistake most people make is they go straight after corporate marketing because they want to completely not be associated with, with it and say like, people are not hiring for me for me. Guess what they are. Yeah. And in fact, you completely use it. You're just not admitting it. So if you use it in your network and your relationships, that's exactly what you're doing. They're hiring you for you. Even if your team is doing the work, they're hiring you. So once you just admit that, you can see very clearly that a dollar going into your corporate branding won't go as far as it does on your personal until a certain point. And then once you've reached a point, then you start to use some of that cash, like I said, and go over the corporate. There's a very interesting... um, case that was done. This is from my wealth management days. An interesting case that was done where a company sold and uh, let's just say it sold for 10 million and on the 10 million they'd have to pay, you know, uh, taxes on that 10 as income, right? And oh, there's some cap gains, whatever. But the, the actual founder had so much goodwill built in that the, the book value of the business was 7 million and 3 million was kind of goodwill. Yeah. Well, what is goodwill? Goodwill is a lot of things, but it's often like just your reputation mm-hmm. and there's a premium to be paid for that. What you can do is actually separate out in this case, the 3 million in goodwill in a separate entity. And that one, the cost basis is all your own rep, 
right? So the cost basis on that gets taxed as capital gains, whereas the cost basis on the seven million of that ten gets taxed as income. And there's a there was a case that that had to be formed because this guy was the first to do it. He wow. split out his his reputation from his assets yeah. and had a lower tax consequence, but the buyer still paid ten million. It made wow. no difference to the buyer. Really. Why would it? Why would it? Yeah. It's 10 mil? Go for yeah. it. We're, we're acquiring it all anyways. He just structured it differently. So to show you that there's actually even an exit benefit to building up your reputation, it's known as goodwill on a balance sheet. Right. There's a benefit there from a tax standpoint even that would completely pay for all of the work you would do to build it to begin with. Okay. Wow. That's great advice. Mm-hmm. How can people find you at Flow? Uh, best thing to do is just to come to my personal website, andyseth.com. That is the house of all things that I'm working on, and from there, Perfect. everything can can go. Um, but I'd say just come to andyseth.com. If there's anything that I'm working on that, that someone's interested in, uh, just reach out to me personally. I, I've got wonderful teams that can help you once I know what you're interested in doing. Okay. Um, but it also provides us the opportunity to be able to connect, and I enjoy that. I like that. Yeah. So just come to andyseth.com, um, or you can email me directly. I'll give the email. Um, just do andy at andyseth.com. Perfect. Okay. And cool. speaking of you personally, I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. Okay. We can better understand what makes you tick and what right. you're interested in. And these are, these are all off the dome. So, so whoever's listening, <laughs> I, I have not looked at the, I don't know what he's going to ask. Let's see what and comes up. You can pass on any of them. But that's what I'm <laughs> all right. But, uh, who is your hero? Mm, I have people I admire. Um, my mom, certainly. And my uncle, yeah. Hero feels dualistic. Mm. I believe we all have the same thing running through us, so yeah. I don't look at them as hero, and therefore I'm a what? A villain or a victim? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Hero I has do. a drama triangle connotation. I do. So I'm none of those. I just admire them. Beautiful. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, favorite news sources? <laughs> news sources? Yeah. Where do you get your news? Um, favorite news sources. Or do you avoid news at all costs? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, I do have subscriptions, so I would say those are probably the primaries. I have subscriptions to uh, Entrepreneur, Inc., GQ, Wired, and The Economist. Those pretty much round out the stuff that I'm mostly interested in. Um, but I will say the source of most of my knowledge, which is different than the news mm-hmm. source of most of the knowledge comes through meditation that is a whole different podcast we could enter into mm-hmm. at some point but the source of knowledge is a universal knowledge and, and i know this can come off a little bit like foo-foo but i don't mean that i mean that there is a level of awareness that one gets um, with awareness comes the ability to take advantage of those of what is there you can't get awareness unless you're exposed and by looking at some of the more um the spiritual path of gaining awareness, you have a greater level of understanding of what is in the world, not needing the news. The news just provides a wrapper around the understanding. So well, it's, uh, the current conversation. Correct. correct. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So since you brought it up real quick, um, how often do you meditate? What are, you, what are your meditative practices? I meditate uh, every day. Um, recently, I've, I've gone to, uh, it used to be 25 minutes twice a day to yeah. an hour and a half a day, but one, pretty much one sitting. Wow. And, um, morning or evening or morning. Um, but sometimes afternoon. Um, and I'll also start, I've been sometimes it's zero minutes, but sometimes it's up to maybe let's say an hour, an hour and a half. 
of I just turn off the monitor, find a nice place to sit, and I'll sit in no thought. One of the keys that I've learned is our, our mind is constantly thinking. Meditation's idea is to put some pause on that. But if your mind is a tool, not really who you are, then you have to be able to set this tool down. And when you set that tool down, you allow for a lot of creativity and inspiration in. This is where people think they have to think their way through problems. That is one approach. It is a logical, analytical approach. The other approach is a creative approach to solving problems. Design thinking is a creative approach as opposed to an analytical. But in order to do that, you have to shut off thought and you just spit out ideas, right? That's design thinking at its finest, rapid prototype. But when you put yourself in a no-thought phase, creativity and inspiration comes in and you find that you have the answers there. This is one of the kind of the, I think the, it's known. It's not that it's unknown. It's less talked about. This is where awareness, when I'm talking about that deeper awareness, the code is there then in front of you. When I wrote Juice, I wrote it in three days, but I set up the entire scenario to be in flow state. From 8 a.m. to 10 p.m., three days in a row in Costa Rica, I wrote 38,000 words. The book was done, and I went to go write my outline. Oh, my gosh. Wow. It flows. So when you're in flow state, what does that mean? That means you're not thinking about what words to write. It's just pouring it's through flowing. you. Yeah. It's flowing. Yeah. So what is flow? Yeah. Presence. Wow. No thinking about this, thinking about that, but how do you create that? Meditation is the answer. That is literally the way you create that. So it's just a functional tool. It can also provide you with some spiritual guidance, but like just from a functional standpoint, it, there's no greater tool to be able to put your own thoughts on hold, to concentrate, to have focus, to have willpower that you exert on yourself than meditation. Wow. And for the listeners that have never researched flow state, I mm. encourage you to. It's very yeah. uh, powerful stuff. A lot of uh, high endurance athletes absolutely uh, study this, talk about it. There are coaches yeah. out there that uh, high endurance entrepreneurs too. Entrepreneurs, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> exactly. isn't that the game we've got? Exactly. A yep. lot of endurance, but when you're in flow state, we're not thinking about what what hasn't been paid, what receivables we have, or what this thing that this teammate didn't do none of that's there yeah we're just present man yeah and when we're present we feel good about what we're doing that's always the answer it's not to be anxious right. about the future or worried about the past like just be here cool that's freaking hard that's very very hard so we need a tool to do it yeah nice thanks for sharing that yeah thanks for letting me ask that <laughs> oh good uh, are there any favorite um quotes that come to mind Many. My favorite one was from Joseph Conrad, um, and it was uh, in the heart of darkness. You ever re- if you read that back in high school, that's when I read it. He said this, this brilliant quote. It was uh, Kurtz, the character, I believe. He said, "I never liked work. No man ever did. But I like what's in it—the chance to find yourself." Wow. And that's, I'd say, precisely what has happened for me. Cool. Work is work. Yeah. Sure, I enjoy playing the game, but the more meaningful stuff isn't the money that comes from it or the achievements, the most meaningful thing is what I'm finding about myself mm. and then applying it in the game. Okay, cool. Um, favorite books that you've read besides Juice? <laughs> I haven't read it yet. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an old book, uh, Yoga Sutras by Pantanjali. Yoga Sutras were written, I don't know, a thousand plus years ago. Um, but it is the foundation for yoga in its entirety, not yoga like the poses. Mm-hmm. Those, are, those are known as technically asanas, but yoga as a lifestyle. And it's a complete system 
for how one can do the things we've talked about, the, the training that goes into developing the tools so that you can shut off your mind. It's, it goes well beyond just meditation. It mm. also goes into um, your daily practices and understanding of what's happening, categorizing here. When you feel like this, this is the category of what's occurring. So it did a great job of systematizing a lifestyle that leads to kind of the all levels of success, the internal and the material. Yeah, so that's probably the most impactful book there is. Wow, for me. I got to check that out. That mm-hmm. sounds amazing. Um, favorite technology that you tend to use? Any apps or I mean, websites? My phone, but um, hardware. Yeah, Basecamp is probably my favorite. <laughs> it's probably my favorite. It is a project management system. Yeah, but. Like, we manage our own personal lives inside of it, too. Minds wow. Matter is on it. Flow is on it. My old company, uh, the Wealth Management Lotus Group, is on it. Um, even when I, I put uh, worked on Mike Johnston's uh, gubernatorial campaign, mm-hmm. um, I ran digital from, uh, I put the campaign on Basecamp. I put everything on Basecamp. Wow. So Basecamp, to me, is how you organize and get shit done. Yeah, and cool. I like to live in the land of being able to think and strategize, but the things need to get done. And so that's how it all gets put in place. Cool. Mm -hmm. And as you're doing all these things, last question is favorite way to unwind. I'm rarely wound. Wow. Love that. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Well, Andy, thank you so much for you got it, brother. being on this podcast. You got it, man. Thank you for the opportunity. Yep, absolutely. And again, uh, the intent of this, you know, Caller A-List podcast is to create a thriving business community based on generous leadership and authentic connections. And uh, you uh, encompass the uh, generous leadership piece. So thank, <laughs> thank you, you for that. Thank you. Appreciate it.